And I'll read uh, Ephesians 6 and verses 1 through 4. And so let's give attention uh, to God's holy word. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is God's Word. May He bless it to us this afternoon. I invite you to also turn to me in, your, in the Catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, to Lord's Day 39. That's page 246 in the Forms and Prayers book, page 246. It's uh, page 891 in the songbook. Lord's Day 39, this is what we believe and confess as a church based on God's Word and based on the fifth commandment. I'll read the question, let's respond together with the answer. What is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? That I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. Submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline and also that I be patient with their failings for by their hand... God wills to rule us. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, if I were to ask you, what does a spirit-filled life look like? What might be your answer? What does it look like to live a spirit-filled life? Well, probably one of the last answers you'd... uh, think of perhaps is uh, that a spirit-filled life is one who submits to authority, who submits to others. But this is what Paul says in Ephesians 5.18. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And he gives a few ways that that, a few things um, of what that looks like, you know, being uh, filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, and uh, giving thanks to God the Father through Christ in all circumstances. And then he adds, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission is one mark of a spirit-filled life. And uh, the fifth commandment is about that. It's about honoring and submitting to authority. When you aren't honoring and submitting to authority, you are not filled with the Spirit but are walking according to the flesh, according to your own sin nature. And this is such an important commandment that in the Old Testament, a rebellious child who habitually refused to honor and submit to their parents' authority could be put to death. So breaking the fifth commandment is very serious to God. Even in the New Testament, Paul says this, In 2 Timothy 3, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. What is that going to look like in the last days, times of difficulty? For people will be lovers of self, 
lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. That's a mark of the last days and uh, the troubling nature of the last day, how difficult they are is people will be disobedient to parents. We are living in the last days. And isn't that what we see in our society? That, uh, how often do we see in society today that, uh, uh, that the children really wear the pants in the family? They constantly give their parents commands what they're going to do. They constantly tell their parents no. And the society really glorifies this, right? You turn on a television series and you watch a good family show and what do you see? Oh, dad's a buffoon, right? And uh, not really... Uh, respected at all, and uh, often you see the, the children, you know, disobeying and dishonoring their parents, rolling their eyes, and there's lots of laughter over this. But God does not, is not pleased with this at all. And this is what marks, Paul says, the difficulty in the last days, this idea of disobedience to parents. So it's very important that we grasp the weightiness of this commandment and what it means and it's important that we see how Christ came and fulfilled this commandment to redeem us from the curse of the law because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And He came to fill us with His Spirit so that we would be a light in this world, filled with His Spirit, those who honor and submit to authority. And so we'll consider the fifth commandment and honoring authority and we'll see the Old Testament context of the fifth commandment and then God's will for us in the fifth commandment, how it applies to a broad uh, group of situations and also how Christ then came and fulfills it to save us. So first, what is the context of the fifth commandment in the Old Testament? Uh, Well, before we go there, just a reminder that Jesus summarized the law for us when He said that we are to love God and love our neighbor. He says on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so when you think of the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are especially about love for God, right? They're directed especially uh, in that vertical relationship to God. And then when we get to the fifth commandment now, it's more about love for neighbor. It's more about the horizontal plane. However, Uh, you can't totally separate these two concepts. One can't say, I love God, if one hates his neighbor. The Bible says that love for God is obeying His commandments. And God has commanded you to love your neighbor. And so, in loving your neighbor, you are loving God. Does that make sense? God says, love for me is obeying my commandments. I command you to love your neighbor. You can't separate it, see? It's closely connected. And loving your neighbor then though starts though this, uh, I'm sorry, loving your neighbor uh, starts in the home. Loving your neighbor starts in the home. The family is the foundation of society. Teaching children how to love others. That's why there's, this is so important that the first commandment in the second table of the law, which is especially about love for neighbor, begins in the home. As Augustine once put it, the family is like the first school, the first church, the first society. And this is why the fifth commandment comes first in the second table of the law. The family is foundational for teaching children 
how to honor and love God. It's like a, it's like a hinge commandment that looks backwards and forwards uh, on this list of Ten Commandments. It's, it's vital for children to learn to love God and to learn to love neighbor. And they learn that first in the home. And parents are to be God's representatives on earth to their children. In the fifth commandment, there's a close connection between honoring one's parents and honoring God. Well, how so? Well, Israel is described in Exodus 4, I guess we'll be there next Sunday, uh, as God's firstborn son. And God declares through the prophet Malachi, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. You see, there's this close connection in the Old Testament between uh, the relationship of parents and children and God and his covenant people. Uh, Israel is God's firstborn son. Israel was to honor and fear and love God as their heavenly father. And this father-son relationship that God had with Israel was to be reflected in the relationship of Israel's parents and their children. Just as Israel was to honor and submit to their heavenly father, so Israelite children were to honor and submit to their earthly father and mother. But what does it mean to honor? Well, the Hebrew word is kaved, which means heavy or weighty. And it's the same word that the Old Testament uses for the glory of God. The weightiness of His divine majesty, His glory. Uh, And so to honor one's parents is to give due weight to their position of authority. It's to recognize their God-given authority and to honor them as, as gifts from God. And parents are indeed gifts from God. There's also a close analogy between the relationship of God as creator and man as creation and the relationship of parents and their children. Adam is said to be the son of God in Luke 3 in that genealogy there. And Adam was totally dependent on God, his father, to give him life and to sustain his life. And so too, think about the fact that we in a sense owe our existence to our parents They came together and made us. And our mothers carried us in their womb and we came out totally dependent on our mothers. We couldn't do anything for ourselves. We were helpless. We needed them to feed us, to bathe us, to clothe us. We needed our fathers for that as well. To do all those things for us. Change our dirty diapers. Teach us how to walk. Teach us not to stick a pin in an electrical socket. And you know, not to touch a hot stove. And to look both ways before you cross the street. And they taught us, uh, they gave us an education. So that we could uh, not be like little immature two-year-olds our whole life. We could actually grow up and, and be mature citizens in society. And so we owe a great deal of gratitude to our parents, all of us. Sadly, we so easily take the love and care of our parents for granted, and and so we often fail to give them the honor and gratitude that they deserve. And sadly, we do the same with God. 
but we are to honor God as creator and provider, and parents are to be God's representatives on earth who procreated us and provide for us as parents. And, uh, and they have authority, not in and of themselves, but from God himself. And so we owe them honor and obedience. So Israelite children were to honor and obey their parents. And the commandment adds, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor and obedience to parents is seen by God as honor and obedience to Him and results in blessings from Him. And if Israel would have obeyed God from the adults to the children, they would have experienced long life in the earthly promised land that God had given them. But they did not honor their fathers and mothers and others in authority. And the ones in authority often abused that authority. And so they came under the curses of the Mosaic Covenant and were cast out of the land and sent into exile. Well, how about, how about us today? How are we doing at honoring authority? Uh, Israel is a microcosm of all of humanity, and we aren't much better than they are, as we'll see. Uh, what is, then, God's will for us in this fifth commandment? Well, our catechism summarizes it when it says that God's will for us in the fifth commandment is that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. If you are into writing in your catechism books at home, underline that. And all those in authority over me. I think we often have an attitude when we get out of the home. Sweet, I'm no longer under authority. Wrong. You are under authority. Still. All kinds of authority. Ultimately, you're under the authority of God. But we are to show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. Submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. And also, you might want to underline this too, that I be patient with their failings. For by, and it's all good, underline this too, for by their hand, God wills to rule us. By their hand, God wills to rule us. Uh, in the first place, notice who we are to honor and submit to. We are to honor and submit to our father and our mother. Children, the commandment says, honor your father and your mother. It's not one or the other. It's both of them. And so children, God commands you to show honor, love, and faithfulness to your father and your mother and to submit to them. And this means that you don't just obey them and just do what they tell you to do, but that you honor them. That's a key, phrase, key word here. I want you to remember, to honor them. What do I mean? Well, we all were children once, and we know that sometimes we obey dad or mom, but we roll our eyes or grumble under our breath or simply our hearts are far from our external obedience. We obey just to get them off our back or simply to avoid a punishment. But to keep this command fully, God calls you to not only obey them, but to do so in a way that honors them, that honors them as your parents, in thought, word, and deed, and even in body language. Not giving them the roll of the eyes, or grumbling, or stomping your feet as you do something, or slamming the door. 
And you are to honor them not simply because they feed you and give you good gifts or because they are stronger than you. You are to honor and obey your parents also because God has placed them over you. God has placed them over you as your parents. And Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Obey your parents. He says in Colossians 3, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. You see, as you honor and obey your parents, you are ultimately to see beyond your parents the Lord Jesus Christ. And to honor the Lord Jesus Christ through your parents. And you should think of it like that, especially when you find it difficult to honor your parents. That's one way that we fight against our sin nature and and when our parents, maybe we don't agree with something that they want us to do, we remind ourselves we are honoring the Lord Jesus Christ ultimately right now. And that should bring us great joy because Jesus is a, is a perfect Savior. He is our God, our Creator. He saves us from all our sins and we ought to want to show Him thankfulness for that in loving Him and keeping His commandments even by honoring our parents. And so let us remember that as we honor them. And when they sin and don't do a very good job as parents, you're to be patient with them, as our catechism puts it. Be patient with them, since it's God's will to govern you by their hand, as we confess. And trust me, some things that you don't understand now, children, you'll, you'll get it one day. <laughs> you'll, you know, I was a toddler once. I was a 10-year-old, a teenager, right? And there's lots of times where I was like, why do I got to do that, I'm thinking? And, and now that I'm a parent, I get it. It all, a lot, so much more makes sense to me now. Um, it's like what Mark Twain once said to some youth when they had grown up and were getting along better with their parents. He said to them, you know, it's amazing how much your parents have matured in the last couple of years. <laughs> but parents, this command is for you as well. Our children ultimately belong to God and are gifts from Him. And we're to be good stewards of the authority He has entrusted to us for His glory and our children's good. And that's why Paul follows things up in Ephesians 6 by saying, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so, we who have a position of authority as parents, whether it be father or mother, or really any position of authority in society, but here he's speaking to fathers and mothers, parents, we have to be careful not to abuse that authority, to use it in a Christ-like way in accordance with God's Word. And so we have to be careful not to be overbearing, not to be unjust and inconsistent and unloving in our instruction and discipline. These are things that will provoke. You have, we have to remind ourselves what it was like to be kids once ourselves too. We need to discipline in love in the first place we need to discipline it's not loving your children if you don't discipline them both formative and corrective discipline but we ought to do that in love and that is so important that we discipline in love Uh, we have to teach them especially when they're uh, in the really young Uh, days, we need to teach them to honor authority, that they live in God's world, and they were born into a world of authority, 
And they are not the parents in the relationship. You have to teach them that over and over again in a thousand upon thousand different ways. And it's exhausting, I know. (laughs) But it's so important because you don't want to be having to teach them that when they're 17 years old. Now is a critical time when they're infants up till, you know, age 10 that you're teaching them that they're under your authority. They're not the boss of you. (laughs) You don't, don't let them do that. Teach them. They're not to say no to you. Teach them that they're not to give you commands. Again, it's exhausting. This is, this is, you give them an inch, they take a mile, right? You give them a vote, they will always outvote you. <laughs> right? Like, so you always have to be thinking about this. Am I, am I teaching them what I'm called to teach them? That they were born into God's world, a, a world of authority, and God calls them to honor their father and mother. It's not loving to refrain from that and to not exercise both formative and corrective discipline in their life in order to teach them that. But you know, as they get older, then you, things change, right? The type of discipline that you administer and the types of real goals that you're focusing on, right? As they get older, you're trying to, you're trying to shape character in them, right? So they see why this is so important. So then they also start to see for themselves how they should respond. They don't always have to be told what's right and wrong. They, they've started to, um, it started to become a part of them and who they are, and they see the wisdom of it, right? And this is all for their, to love them so that they would go into society and not make a wreck of their life, right? If you focus on this and by God's grace strive for these things, they will be much better off in this world because they'll, they'll go into this world and they'll, they'll get positions of leadership in their jobs, uh, they'll be a delight to be around, and it's going to be a great blessing to them as they learn to honor authority in their life. Um, and so we need to be careful that we, we are, as parents, always striving for these things, but also in the way that we are instructing them, that we're not provoking them to anger, right? We need to spend quality and quantity time with our children so they know that we love them, uh, and we need to realize that we represent God to them. So, aren't you so thankful for the patience of God in your life? Shouldn't you be patient too? Uh, haven't, hasn't, hasn't God told you over and over again what His will is? And how many times have you been a bad listener and uh, sinned against His commandments? And yet He doesn't cast you off and strike you down. He forgives you, but He also lovingly disciplines and instructs you in the way and And we ought to be the same for our children. We also ought to be forgiving of our our children. We also ought to teach our children that we are sinners too, and sometimes we need to ask their forgiveness so that they don't think that we're just a bunch of hypocrites. That can provoke them to wrath as well, can it? And furthermore, we also as parents need to model what it looks like to honor and submit to authority. We need to show them what it looks like to honor and submit to authority. If you complain about authority all the time in front of your children, and if you always resist authority in front of your children and demonstrate to them that you only submit to yourself as prime minister, boss, and church elder, 
then you shouldn't be surprised when your own children don't submit to you. They learned it from you. We have to demonstrate to our children what Christ-like honor and submission looks like as we expect them to honor and submit to us. But besides applying to children who are, are still in the home, the fifth commandment applies to all of us as God's people. This isn't just a commandment that's only about the relationship of parents and children. Uh, and so even though we may be on our own now and no longer under our parents' roof, if our parents are still alive, we are, we're still called to show honor and love to our fathers and mothers and to respect them. Sure, things have changed slightly. If we get married, we leave our father and mother and we cleave to our spouse, right, and form a new family unit. But we're still to show them honor and respect as our parents. In Mark 7, Jesus railed against the Pharisees who wouldn't provide for their parents in their old age, saying that what they would have, they, they, they would, you know, what they would have given to their parents is korban, they said, devoted to God. And Jesus said, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. They thought they found a loophole to just, you know, you know ignore their parents and the, the call upon their life to provide for their parents in old age when they were needy. You see, they used their tradition to get out of that. And, and Paul says in 1 Timothy 5 that if a widow has children and grandchildren, that they should be the first ones to take care of her. He says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's, that's pretty serious, right? We need to take that seriously and care for our parents in their old age. And so we're still called to honor our father and mother. We can't just ignore them and abandon them as so many people sadly do today. It's a sad thing to see an elderly person in a convalescent or retirement home with no one to visit them ever. Not even on Thanksgiving or Christmas. And even before they're that old, we can honor them by staying in touch with them, speaking well of them, listening to their advice, even when we may disagree with, with it. We still owe them that honor of just listening to what they have to say. We, we may still grow, get some great wisdom from them. And if we disagree, we, we can still show them honor and respect in the way we express that disagreement. But the fifth commandment has a much broader application than merely the relationship between parents and children. Uh, at the heart of this commandment is the call to honor and submit to all who are in authority over us. And the reason why we're to honor and submit to them is God has given them this authority and He commands us to submit to them. So our catechism says, for by their hand God wills to rule us. So in Ephesians 5-6, to 6, uh, Paul mentions other relationships that involve honoring and submitting to authority. Ephesians 5, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. Not other husbands. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. You see, it's always Christ behind all these things. As to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. So that's another area of authority and submission, the husband and wife relationship. He says in Ephesians 6 as well, verse 5, 
slaves, and today we might say the closest analogy would be like employees. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. You see, Christ is always behind this. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. And so those are two other areas where uh, we are under authority. Uh, employees to their bosses, wives are in the, the, the headship of their husbands. But this doesn't uh, leave those in authority off the hook again as if they are a lawn to themselves and can just lead however they want. Rather, they also are to honor and submit themselves to the authority of Christ and use their authority and lead as Christ commands them. And so he says to husbands in Ephesians 5, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Let each one of you love his wife as himself. Husbands, you are to use your headship in a self-sacrificial, loving way. As Christ, your good shepherd, leads you, you are to lead your wife. He also says, as we already said earlier, to fathers and mothers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. He also addresses employers or masters or bosses. If you run a company, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Uh, This was unheard of in Paul's day. The superiors were never addressed like this. But Paul calls them out and says, you need to use your authority in a Christ-like way. Uh, We won't go through it, but you may want to look at the back of the Songbook, if you own one, or even after the service, you can pull it out of the pew, but the, you'll find the Westminster Larger Catechism there, which is part of the confessional standards of the Presbyterian Church, and it, it asks, what is required of superiors in the fifth commandment, and what are the sins of superiors? So it addresses superiors, and then it, now this language sounds strange to us today, but it's shouldn't it's you know based on biblical teaching but it says what are the what is required of inferiors and what are the sins of inferiors in other words that's just saying those who are under authority but it goes down and it talks about that it talks what are the sins that we might be uh, we need to avoid what in our relationships we're under authority what does god call us to do in those relationships and then if we are an authority what sins do we need to avoid and how should we use that authority in a in a christ-like way i'd encourage you to to check that out. But we all have our various roles to fill. We're all under the authority of Christ and submit to Him as our Creator and as the head of the church. And so our relationships are to magnify Him whether we're leading or submitting. Because if you think about it, Christ does both, doesn't He? Christ leads and He submits. That's the, that's the remarkable thing. That's why I read in our call to worship uh, Philippians 2. Where Christ 
was obedient, right? He, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but humbled himself. He took on the form of what? A servant and was obedient to, the Father, to, uh, obedient to the Father's will, right? Obedient to the point of death, death, on the cross. So Christ were to follow in all our, all our positions, whether we're under authority or, or in authority, because He does both. And, uh, and submission does not equal uh, that you are inferior in being or essence. Because Jesus, right? He is one with the Father. He is one with the Father equal. So too, husbands and wives are, are equal in being. They're both image bearers equally. They're both co-heirs of the glories of the age to come. We could go through the list on these things with other situations. So those are just a few more relationships. Another area where we need to think about this commandment is in the church, right? It says in Hebrews 13, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So Christ has instituted office bearers in the church, and He has given a spiritual authority to ministers of the Word, and elders in the church. And God's Word calls us to obey our leaders in the church and submit to them because they have been called to keep watch over your souls. And we as leaders will have to give an account to the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, one day on how we did with those under our care. And I love how he says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. I think we probably expect him to say, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to them. But he says, no, that's actually not an advantage to you either. You don't want your pastors and elders to be groaning over you. <laughs> and please pray for us and bear patiently with us in our sins and weaknesses, as the Catechism mentions. We need your prayers and we need your patience, even as we pray for you and strive to be patient as we lead you. But our sincere desire is to lead Christ's sheep in a, in a Christ-like manner according to His Word. Let me just apply this in one area uh, for you all uh, that, of how you can obey your leaders and submit to them in the Lord, in the church. Just one area. Uh, on Sundays... We have a call to worship. And I want you to think of that call to worship as not just some optional thing. Eh, take or leave it. If I feel like it, if I, you know, maybe I got to do some extra cleaning today, or I'd rather go to a football game today, or I'd rather just sleep. That eh, doesn't really matter. No, it matters. That call to worship, for those of you who are members of this church, comes with the authority of Jesus Christ through his office bearers. And you should receive it as such. And that's one way you show honor and submission to your leaders in the church is by when that call to worship comes, you can't wait to go to church <laughs> and honor Christ because Christ, the good shepherd, calls you to worship through them. 
And it's a blessing for you. It's a means of grace for your soul. And there's so many more reasons we could give, but we must move on. Another area that we are to show honor and submission to those in authority is our government. Romans 13 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. He's a servant of God. 1 Peter 2.13 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. He adds, Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. Honor your civil authorities. Which raises a question. Is it honoring our God-given government authorities when we make fun of them and bash them on social media and say how much we hate them and despise them and can't stand them? No, that's dishonoring. That's disobedience. That's a sin. We ought rather to be praying for them 1 Timothy 2 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. That's what's pleasing. Not bashing them, not making fun of them, but praying for them, honoring them. Even if you don't agree with their policies, even if they are in and of themselves not a very good, kind, nice, wise person, maybe they are foolish and all that, but we are called to honor their position of authority that they have and to pray for them. Titus 3 says, Paul tells Titus to remind God's people out of thankfulness for His grace in Christ to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. How's your courtesy toward all people these days? Maybe check your social media feed. And especially, how is your courtesy toward those in authority? Now, you may be thinking, am I really supposed to honor and submit to authority at all times? You don't know how big of a knucklehead my boss is. You don't know how foolish my husband is. You don't know how unfair my parents are. Do I really have to? Well, the last time I checked, though, there isn't an asterisk in that fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother unless they're a knucklehead or something. Um, however, there are exceptions. Uh, the Bible calls us to submit to authority, though, even if we don't agree with the decision. Right? If you only submit when you agree, that's not submission. That's called agreeing. Uh, we're called to submit to authority even if we don't agree with the decision. Uh, even if we don't like the, you know, kind of the tone they have and the demeanor unless and here's the exception submission to them would mean sinning against god we are never to sin against god if people in authority tell us to do something that's sinful 
we are to then obey God rather than man. So we see this clearly in Acts 4, right? When they told Peter and the apostles they were no longer allowed to preach Jesus Christ ever. And they said it's better to obey God rather than man. Christ himself gave them a clear commandment to preach Christ. The authorities can't just say, you can never again preach Christ. That's it. Never mention his name again. Or children, if your parents ask you to lie to someone or to steal from someone, hopefully that never happens, uh, but you shouldn't submit to them in that. Or wives, if your husband tells you that you can't pray or tells you to cheat on your taxes, you should not submit to that. Or if the government seeks to compel us to sin, like when the Roman government was trying to compel Christians to confess that Caesar is Lord. In such situations, we are to be faithful to God and honor Him above any earthly ruler. We must not submit to those in authority over us when they use their authority to try to compel us to sin. Yet, we still have to do that respectfully, right? We still have to do that respectfully. But does this biblical teaching on submission promote abuse, we might ask? No. If someone is being abused by someone in authority, they can appeal to other God-given authorities in society and in the church to intervene, and they should. For example, a wife that is being abused by her husband should call the cops and tell the pastors and elders of the church if he's a church member. God can and does remove a person's authority when they have so abused it in such heinous ways. And He does it through the other God-given authorities. And if a government authority is abusing their power, we can appeal to either the, the governing authority over them or to the lesser magistrate to use their authority to advocate for us. But at the end of the day, whatever happens, we are to entrust ourselves to God who judges justly in the end and says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Christ will come again and right every wrong. We have to trust that. In the meantime, we're to strive as much as possible by God's grace to show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me, submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient with their failings, for by their hand God wills to rule us. In other words, love God by honoring and submitting to those in authority. Love your neighbor as yourself in the way that you honor and submit to those in authority. Well, how's that going for you? How's that going for me? Well, how's the fifth commandment fulfilled in Christ for us? This is the good news. That when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And Christ is our second and final Adam. Christ is true Israel. Christ lived a life that we can never live. And Jesus honored His earthly parents and His heavenly Father from the cradle to the grave. When He was a young boy, He honored His heavenly Father by going to the synagogue. Do you remember that? And no doubt He respected the synagogue leaders as they taught God's Word, even though He was the Word incarnate. Can you imagine that? You go to church, you listen to these guys teach you the Word when you're the Word incarnate. And He sits respectfully under the teaching. And when his earthly parents found him and questioned him, where have you been? He respectfully said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? 
And here's the amazing thing. It says in verse 51, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Think about that. Jesus is God in the flesh. He was the only perfect child. He had no sin. And yet he was submissive to his sinful parents. Isn't that amazing to think about? He honored his parents, his sinful parents, and was patient with their failures. And at his baptism, God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It's as if the father is saying, finally, here's my beloved son who listens to me. I don't have to tell him three times and give him warnings and count to ten. Christ was always perfectly obedient to his heavenly father and submitted himself to his father's will promptly and sincerely. It wasn't a delayed obedience. Children, delayed obedience is disobedience. He obeyed promptly and sincerely. It was his delight to do his father's will over and over again, it says in John's gospel, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And we see his obedient submission in his temptation where he was in the wilderness for 40 days. He submitted to his father's will even in suffering when it wasn't easy. We see him significantly in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was sorrowful under death, unto death, praying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he submitted himself to his Father's will all the way to the cross. And even as he was hanging on the cross, he honored his earthly mother. Do you realize that? Even as he hangs on the cross, it says in John 19, when Jesus saw his mother... And the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Jesus was concerned that his mother be taken care of, even while he's dying on the cross. Talk about an inconvenient time to be concerned about your mother. Yet he was so concerned for her. That's amazing. And Paul says in Philippians 2, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And on the cross, he took the curse of the law in our place. He was treated as the most rebellious, disobedient son that Israel and humanity has ever had, even though he was the only perfect child. He took the punishment that we deserve for all of our disobedience and disrespect to those in authority and all our disobedience to God. And if you repent of your sins and trust in His perfect life and in His sacrificial death on your behalf, then God forgives you of all your sins. And He clothes you in the righteousness of Christ. He treats you as if you lived His life, as if you were the perfect child. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So let us confess our sins and rest entirely in Jesus Christ for our salvation. He's our only hope. And in Him we're not only free from the curse of the law, but then He also gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And so be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to honor and submit to those in authority. I can't do to my own strength. We all know that. We struggle with with resisting authority. We don't like being told what to do. But by the Spirit, we can be filled and we can follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ 
And so let us rejoice this day in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let us be filled with the Spirit, honoring and submitting to authority out of reverence for Christ, our Lord and Savior, and out of thankfulness to God, our Father in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and there's so much to consider with this commandment, and, but we once again are reminded of how, how far we fall short of your glory and have sinned against you and others, and we pray that you'd forgive us. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit and help us to walk in Christ's likeness in this life, and that we would be a light in this world where people are so rebellious and and hate authority. Help us to be those who honor you and are a light in this world of, of what it looks like to demonstrate Christ-like honoring and submission to authority so that others may see our good deeds and glorify you in heaven and want to know more about our Savior and help us to be always ready to share the hope that's within us. And we thank you for forgiving us of all of our sins in Christ, and we look forward to that day when Christ will return again and will never sin again. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.